My mother told me that dreams seemed real. I accepted her word for it. But the next time the white lady appeared, I reached over and took a drink from the glass that stood by my bed. The water was flavoured with a dash of rosehip syrup to make it palatable. I never enjoyed water on the basis that it was somewhat less than ideal to drink liquid that tasted like my mouth. I am still of the same opinion. Be that as it may, I knew I couldn't be asleep. I even spoke the words aloud. Is this a dream? And heard my voice with my ears, or so it seemed to me. My tongue had moved and the hiss of this required my breath to gush past my teeth. The pronunciation was visceral. I looked around the bedroom. It was my bedroom. I looked at myself, or as much of myself as I could see, and spoke aloud again. I feel as if I am awake and not dreaming. The white lady remained there, simply gazing at me. Am I dreaming you? I asked. And although she made no verbal answer, she intimated silently that I was not dreaming. I raised my hands and rubbed my eyes to make sure of what I was seeing, and she was still there. It's nice that you come to visit me, I said, addressing her one night. But who are you? Where do you come from? Again, as before, she made no verbal response, but I knew her answer. It wasn't a voice in my head. It wasn't even words that I somehow detected. I simply knew whom and whence, but sans conceptual linguistic information. It was non-verbal communication and non-verbal comprehension. This seemed fine to me, but I didn't understand how I could explain that to anyone else. How can one know without knowing about? What is knowledge without things that can be known in words? and thence communicated to others. How could I know who the white lady was without words to identify how I knew or what I knew? This was puzzling to me during the day. The more I thought about it, the less clear it became. Until after a while, I didn't know anything I'd known in the night. It was as if the night was a time when I understood everything quite easily. And then when the sun rose, it was all gone, or almost all gone. There was still the memory of the white lady, of course, but none of the knowingness. That 
knowingness would usually be there for a while after I woke up in the morning, but would slowly drift away. It would vanish completely as soon as I became involved in the normal activities of the day. It seemed as if my night state lasted until I had to speak to someone. And then it was as if I was being pulled into some other world, which was different from what I had seen in the night. Sometimes I tried as hard as I could to remember, usually in the woods on my own, and there I had more success. I thought it might be because the ordinary everyday world didn't really exist in the woods either. Maybe it was because my father never ventured into the woods. And so it seemed like a wild place where the laws of normality didn't apply. I had the sense that the person who acted as if he was my father was not my father at all. My idea of my father was of an old man with white hair and a wispy white beard. He was a slender man and quite unlike the person who appeared to be my mother's husband. He had a great love of birds and enjoyed feeding them. He was entirely gentle, kindly and humorous. I used to wonder what had happened to my real father, but never asked my mother. I did not want to upset her. A peculiar aspect to all this was that I felt as if I had once been my father. I seemed to know him from knowing what it was like to be that person. These were all ideas that had no place at all in the world to which I was being introduced. The world to which I was being introduced seemed to be a dead world. Dead in the sense of being arithmetically mechanical. It was a world in which trees had no feelings and could not communicate. In this respect, it was a world in which water could not observe you. It was a world in which the sky and the eyes that saw the sky were cut off from each other. Cerebral impressions could not wander off into the clouds and clear endless blueness could not invade the cranium. One day it occurred to me out there in the woods that the white lady knew everything there was to know or rather she knew how everything came to be and how everything slipped back to where it was before it was. That's how I worded it to myself. Sometimes she wore white clothes and at others coloured clothes. Sometimes she wore only white beads and sometimes nothing at all. I remembered these different appearances and was determined not to forget them when I returned to the house. Somehow, however, everything became vague 
as soon as I returned to the rooms of routine and my father, the curator and custodian of customary quotidian concerns. My mother said that I could have seen the white lady in a film. She said that she often saw actors in different films and knew she knew them from some other film but couldn't remember which film. I thought about this for a long while and decided that the white lady could not have been in a film because she wasn't English or American and those were the only people I ever saw in films apart from the black people I saw in Gone with the Wind and the white lady wasn't a black lady even though her skin had been the colour of night on one occasion. When I thought about it, I couldn't say what her colour was. It was as if it was no colour, so that other colours came through her. Sometimes it was, as, it was as if black was shining through her, and at other times other colours, like green, blue, red, white and yellow. One night I decided that I should be more active rather than just lying there being looked at by the white lady and so I got out of bed and went to her. She remained the same size however and I got no closer. As I reached the wall she disappeared. So too did the room. And as my room dissolved, I found myself in Switzerland or somewhere like that. There were mountains and I was walking with two young women who were my friends. They were sisters. I was not their brother, but I seemed to be related to them. They were talking about going to visit a tiger's nest. I understood where they meant but without any understanding at all of exactly what it was that I understood. It was as if Tiger's Nest was some sort of name for somewhere that not everyone would know, because tigers did not live in nests. They lived in dens or lairs. It was important and it was a long way away on the other side of the mountains, perched on some precarious crag. Maybe it was a nest because it was like an eagle's eyrie. Then I woke up and I couldn't work out whether it had all been a dream or whether I had simply gone to sleep in the mountains and mysteriously come back to my room again in the same inexplicable way that I had left it. The BBC serialisation of The Lion, The Witch and The Wardrobe was on at that time and it seemed to me that my bedroom was like that wardrobe. But my mother said that was only a fairy story and that things like that did not exist in the real world. I asked why someone had made up that story and put it on television if things like that couldn't happen. She told me it was an entertainment for children and that there were many stories like this because children liked them. I then asked why my father didn't like it when I mentioned the white lady, because 
if it was normal for children to enjoy these stories, why was it bad when stories simply decided to happen? My mother had no immediate answer to that. But after a moment, she commented that he didn't like the story on television either. So maybe that was why he didn't like me talking about my dreams. But it wasn't a dream. I knew it wasn't a dream. Or at least it wasn't all a dream. Some things were definitely dreams. I could tell they were dreams. But there were some occurrences that were real because I knew that I was awake. It was as if what happened crossed over between dreaming and waking. The part where I was in the mountains with the two girls was probably the dream part. But the other part where the white lady was looking at me wasn't a dream because I knew I was not asleep. I was able to tell the difference between dream and waking because of the many different signs that existed that enabled me to distinguish between them. In the dream state, I was very much a passive observer and in the waking state, I participated and used my mind in a more active and inquiring way. I described this to my mother by saying that dreams were like watching television and real waking life was a situation where the story was not fixed. The next night when the white lady looked at me, I sat up in bed to be sure that I wasn't asleep. At that moment, she looked at me in a way that made me understand that she had been my mother before my own German mother had been born and that she would be my mother long after my own mother died. Now this was something that I was able to remember and explain the next day. I told my mother and she was kind. She told me that dreams were strange. She had dreamed about her brother dying. She found out later that he died at the same time that she'd had the dream. My mother looked wistful. She turned her head away for a moment and then gave me a concerned look, saying that I should not mention anything about our conversation to my father. The whole subject of my dreams irritated my father. I was apparently supposed to dream something else, something apparently manlier. White ladies who spoke gibberish had no place in a boy's dreams. My dreams were not a welcome subject with my father. And so I learned fairly quickly not to mention the white lady who came to my room, unless my father was somewhere out of hearing. I foolishly kept inquiring of my mother why it was that my father didn't like to hear about the 